This episode of the Android Central Podcast is brought to you by MintSim, the best way to get cheap 4G LTE data in the U.S. If you're interested, use offer code ACFREESHIP for free first-class shipping on any MintSim purchase. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Android Central podcast for Wednesday, June 21, 2017. This week, it's all OnePlus 5. Joining me this week, Andrew Martinick, the the reviewer of the OnePlus 5 for Android Central. How are you? I'm doing just fine. And um, that was a lot of numbers. Yeah, that was a lot of numbers at the intro there. Two zero one seven. That's twenty seventeen. One five. Oh yes, that's true. Oh. Those are both numbers. Oh, it's Michael Fisher, oh. all the way from Boston. Welcome back to the show, sir. Very happy to be back on the show. Thank you for uh, thank you for having me back to talk about this outstandingly interesting device. Also a reviewer. Yes. Yes, I've reviewed <laughs> on, one on or the two things. Y o u t u b e dot net. <laughs> Dot, dot biz <laughs> slash Mr. Mobile slash yes. Mr. Mobile. Slash there you the go, Mr. Mobile. Don't forget that the you'll get oh. a weird guy in New I, Zealand. I can't not. keep these things straight. You're the yeah. here. You're Mr. Hey, Mobile man. Snaps. I'm I mean, just come Mr. On. Mobile Snaps on the Snappity Chats. That's it. And the Grams and mm-hmm. all the things. Mm-hmm. And from uh, the other side of the Atlantic, welcome back, Alex Doby, video reviewer extraordinaire. I'm How also here, and I'm good. I, I'm also here, and I have the OnePlus 5, and um, I haven't reviewed it or anything, but I have opinions that I'm going to talk about, so get ready for that. Yes. Well, you edited the video, so you, you spent more did, time yeah. with it than I have, which is well, zero time. I, yeah, yeah. Um, so, I mean, let's let's just jump right into it, shall we? I think we've all, except with the exception of, of you, Daniel, you might be getting yours very, very eminently, but... Uh, the rest of us have also had a reasonable amount of time with this phone, right? Yeah, we have. Um, you know, we—I I mean, you have, I, I guess, because you know, I haven't uh, haven't spent much time. But from what I've heard, it's a lot like the OnePlus Three T. So I'm gonna gonna hopefully navigate this uh, this wave. But first, before we get into that, um, I <laughs> there there was a there was a particular. Particularly interesting forum post uh, from this week that um, <laughs> Andrew and uh, the team uh, pointed out to me, and I thought, well, let's let's talk about it on on the pod in the little little forum post from Android Central. Don't be the idiot who knifes an in-store demo Galaxy S8 to test its durability. Yes, it tested durability. Andrew, uh, what what's this guy doing? What, what's what's going on here? <laughs> Totally dead serious forum post where he goes, okay, so I just tested the durability of the Galaxy S8 screen and it's super durable. I went into a Target store where they had a Galaxy S8 on uh, on display and started uh, stabbing the top of it with my keys and a uh, cold rolled steel pocket knife as hard as I could. Um, and by the way, I bench 205, so I'm a pretty strong dude. <laughs> and uh, in in the end, the screen wasn't all that damaged, apparently, although uh, there was no video or photo proof. Yeah. So we, you know, on the one hand, certainly do not condone the illegal damaging of other people's property. 
but this was so funny. And not just because uh, the guy basically went in with a straight face and, and sort of bragged about this, but it brought up a, a pretty good point. Like there, there's a cottage industry, right? Michael, I mean, you're, you spend all day on YouTube. You know this as well as anybody yeah. of people who just buy phones to destroy them. Yeah, um, some, some, for some good do it better and, and more. Yeah. And some do it more respectfully than others, but yes. uh, the biggest name in the game, I guess would be Zach, right? From Jerry rig everything. The biggest one on the on the legitimate side of it, I think there's a there's a guy named Tech Rex who has something on the order of 15 million subscribers because he goes to the tallest buildings in the world and throws phones off them for for no reason. But yeah, Jerry Rig everything is um, legit. Hmm. Because he so, does it with you know hardness picks and and Mohs scales and you know tries to determine whether a manufacturer's claim of sapphire covering is accurate and you know and a lot of the time he gets it right and it's really it's really pretty informative. Distinctly mm-hmm. different from going into a store with a phone that you do not own and and destroying it. Yes, slightly different. It's a, not the same. Do people do this? Like, is this a thing? I've never heard of people doing this. Yeah, I guess they, they do. I mean, Apple is famous for it. They allow people to use their phones uh, in their stores all the time. And I've read stories of people getting either ejected from stores or arrested for, I mean, mainly it's for watching porn on in-store demo iPhones, but like other people Not have on certainly... that 5K iMac. <laughs> <laughs> Some people have been arrested. I mean, Alex, you you made a video of uh, our, our own Matt Brown um, going, uh, you know, you, it was the aftermath, certainly, but you made a video of a, of a Galaxy S8 getting destroyed after a few days. Sure, I did. I, and for, for a moment there, I thought you were going to imply that I had been arrested for, for destroying an in-store <laughs> demo unit, but no. Um, <laughs> so yeah, this was in the first... A couple of days or so of, of him owning the phone, and uh, we were shooting some video of, of the GS8 because I had mine there. He also bought one, and um, yeah, just a couple of days in, um, he had it resting on a wall or something, and it was at a slight angle, and yeah, straight off uh, onto concrete, and it was a very sad and tragic day. Um, and I, I think like what, what we're talking about now with a lot of these guys on YouTube who like to post this this phone destruction porn kind of stuff um it's really just a continuation of like a natural evolution of um you know drop test videos that's where this began a few years ago um and yeah like jerry everything that guy has it down to a more scientific kind of method um but people are always going to want to see uh expensive stuff getting destroyed spectacularly um and there's this whole subgenre of of phones like getting shot and hit with um, knives and swords and stuff there's always going to be a um uh, you know, an audience for that kind of thing. Uh, it just doesn't necessarily reflect how you would use your phone and what your phone is designed to stand up to in uh, the real world. Right, absolutely. And, uh, you know, before before we move on, just a shout out to our own Crackberry Kevin, who sort of responded to Jerry Rig Everything's video on the key one getting very easily broken. Essentially, the uh, display comes off of the the chassis quite quite easily and and zach uh you know he he pointed to the fact that um there was very little adhesive holding the screen to the to the chassis and uh, kevin from crackberry came with his own amazing video it's very popular it's <laughs> very like 350,000 videos uh, 350,000 views 
So let's talk about the main topic today. Let's talk about the OnePlus 5. So all three of you have spent time with it. Uh, we'll, we'll go, we'll, we'll start uh, with you, Alex, because nobody's heard your thoughts on it just yet. What is it that makes this phone either so desirable or it's so divisive, right? Like it's so some people love, love, love this device and have been fawning over it since its announcement. And others have sort of dismissed it as a uh, as an iPhone clone. Um, you know, which is it, or is it somewhere in the middle? Um, I basically somewhere in the middle for me. I, I, I mean, the iPhone angle I think is overplayed. Once you pick this up and hold it in your hand, yeah, the in hand feel is totally different to the iPhone. The only iPhone um, similarity that you really see is the style of the camera module. Uh, you could say the the antenna bands as well, maybe. But I mean, look, once you're getting down to this size, there's only a certain number of ways that you can get this size screen into this size of, of metal chassis and have it not look like an iPhone. There are a couple of similarities there, but I'm, whatever, I don't really care about that. Uh, in terms of the desirability or, or otherwise of this phone, um, I mean, obviously OnePlus is playing to their um, tech enthusiast audience by going in there with, the as they always do with the highest end specs, with a, a ridiculous 8 gigs of RAM at the high end. Um, so you have that. You have a ridiculously smooth user experience. I mean, if you... If, going from the 3T, which was already a, an extremely fast phone, and building on that with more powerful hardware and more optimizations on top of that, yeah, absolutely screamingly fast performance on this thing. Um, as for reasons why this is maybe a little bit lackluster, um, I mean, there, there are a few things you can get you can get stuck into. Uh, there's the display, you're still at 1080. Uh, it isn't as bright outside, certainly, as the U11 or the, the GS8. Uh, um, you, I mean, there's only a certain amount of... of compromises that you can talk your way out of when you are at that higher price point relative to where OnePlus phones have been in the past. Uh, the most disappointing thing for me, I think, uh, so far is probably the camera. And not just the camera in terms of the the price point that we're at for this phone, but just the fact that OnePlus seems to have gone unnecessarily like crazy in certain areas, like with the specs. And um, they've been really strangely conservative in other areas, like with the camera. Uh, it seems like they're they're leaning a lot on the Snapdragon 835 and that ISP um, to to get decent image quality out of it, but it is just that it is just decent. And I don't know, there isn't for me going from the 3T to this in the main camera, there really isn't a huge difference in terms of image quality. And you could argue that in daylight you get a bit more contrast, you know, dynamic range is a bit better. But it isn't a huge leap forward in in any way, really, from the 3T. And I think, given the extra price point, you could have maybe deployed that in a way that makes a bit more sense for a more balanced device overall. I would I wouldn't say that they're conservative in the in the camera as much as they they were like overzealous about what they thought they could do and the execution. Like it's a lot harder to get the processing right in camera firmware than it is to just source high-end you know ram and storage and things like that so this is definitely like the fine-tuning of the cameras and giving you a great top-end camera you know performance is not the strength of of oneplus the strength of oneplus is you know giving you this package with all the line item specs that it can you know that it can easily source and doesn't take a lot of you know finesse uh, not necessarily the camera, and I think they're only 
big issue here is talking up such a massive game about the cameras yeah. being the reason to buy the OnePlus 5. Yeah, I think they they definitely bet big on that camera. And if I mean, understandable, right? If you look at the rest of this phone, uh, fundamentally, if you exclude the camera, it's basically just a nicer 3T, pretty much. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. So I think they, they bet big on that camera and kind of missed in a way. Um, uh, I I don't know. Maybe I'm I'm getting ahead of myself here, but I think having used this just for a day already, there is I, I have a pretty strong gut feeling that this won't be the only OnePlus phone this year, and that probably this isn't going to see them through until 2018. That we probably will get, if not a OnePlus 5T, something else later in the year um, that hits some uh, some more of those. Um, feature points that you would expect at a phone around you know somewhere north of $500. I mean, it's not just the display resolution or, or things like that, but things like water resistance that are increasingly uh you know relatively low cost to add in, but you know seen as kind of table stakes now for a high-end phone. So there's room for them to add more stuff in there and I think I I I mean I don't have any evidence of this, but I strongly suspect we'll see another phone from them later in the year. So Michael, you know, you've spent a, a lot of time uh, with the phone. And mm-hmm. one of your points uh, in your video was that other than the ability to zoom in, you know, almost to, to twice the length of the regular um, focal length, the secondary camera is kind of not that useful. And you gave some yeah. very, you know, very obvious, very uh, distinct examples of how some of the portrait effects may not be up to the standard of of some other manufacturers and that there really isn't a whole lot to do with that secondary camera. Yeah, and I think that 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 also kind of dovetails with the point that Alex kicked off with before, uh, which is I uh, which I will take the opportunity to sort of disagree with right now because I think that the this 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 it's an iPhone thing. First does come from the appearance, yes. If you it, like, I was asked twice about this phone during my two weeks with it by non-techie friends of mine, and both times it was, "Oh, why are you using an iPhone? You seldom do." So, like, this isn't just a case of like, "Oh, yeah, it's incidentally it resembles an iPhone because everything's a rectangle." No, this this is an iPhone Seven Plus in a smaller footprint, which the R Eleven did first, but be that as it may it's it's just another case of a sort of a chinese manufacturer making an iphone and and putting a really good version of android on it which would be fine if this wasn't oneplus and we've come to expect from oneplus um greatness in terms of like you know a bolder design because when you buy a oneplus you're supposed to be part of this this club and I don't see that with this. This is like a repurposed sort of generic import phone. So that's frustrating. And then on top of that, as Andrew was saying, they throw all of their marketing resources behind like, okay, well, the big thing that's going to set us apart this time is the camera. And we're going to do, we're going to have The Verge do an exclusive profile about like how the camera is the make or break thing and all this stuff. And then the camera uses the iPhone implementation of a dual camera setup. It doesn't do what Huawei does with the monochrome sensor to give all the benefits that that gives. It doesn't do what LG does, which is what I would have preferred, wide angle, you know, beautiful, dramatic stuff. It does this telephoto thing, which, as I think Andrew mentioned on another podcast, is not quite 2X. It's like 1.7 or something. And the 
that portrait mode stuff is just it's kind of as lackluster as it always is on every phone almost. So, man, I don't know. I just what am I? You know, like there's nothing. If you have a three T, I don't know why you would buy this. Yeah. I'm, oh yeah, you, absolutely. You, Coming from a three T, you you don't. No. And you touched on the R11, the Oppo R11, which I think is kind of interesting as well because there is always this been this relationship between uh, Oppo and OnePlus, and it's it's a little bit opaque if you're on the outside. Mm-hmm. Uh, essentially, they share the same parent company and a lot of the logistics that goes into making the phone. Um, and because OnePlus phones have looked completely different from anything coming out of Oppo in the past, um, you wouldn't have necessarily known. But I think this year has just just the the fact that they, I mean, you look at this next to an R11. It's basically the same phone from the outside. The dimensions the <laughs> yeah. same. I think someone someone took a case from a OnePlus Five, put it on R11, fits perfectly. So I mean, you know, you can't look at these two things and say they don't come off different production lines in the same factory. Obviously, um, you know, they do, and it was probably someone at Oppo, I guess, that came up with the original design, which sort of puts pay to the whole idea that OnePlus is doing their own thing in terms of the design, because obviously they're not if someone at their sister company came up with a similar design, so which is it? Uh, and also the same, like the, the camera components are the same as the R11 as well. And we're watching Carl Pei in this presentation yesterday saying, we worked with Sony to make this special sensor for the OnePlus 5. And you're like, wait a minute, the same sensor is in the R11. So what do you mean by we? Mm. Is we... Um, the whole of the parent company is we OnePlus, is we Oppo? Like, what is going on there? Um, and OnePlus never really likes to talk about the relationship with Oppo because it, it goes against the, the fashionable image that they built up as this um, this very young brand, this startup. But yeah, we're, we're starting to see some light kind of shed on this with the way that this really does just seem to be an R11 with better internals with you know a, a different color and a different logo on the back in terms of the design and the camera. What, what do like, you guys think under, of that? I understand all that. I don't think that there's, I mean, other than a lot of the, I guess, aura around OnePlus that's kind of built up the thought that they're kind of different. If you look at, look back at their previous phones, they've always had, a, I mean, aside from the OnePlus X, which, you know, RIP, I love that phone. Yeah, but me too. They they have had extremely generic hardware. Like they didn't differentiate by having standout new exciting hardware. They stood out by giving you, you know, a good enough hardware package that had everything inside. Like they spent the money on the inside, not the outside. I don't really I don't really care all that much about <laughs> about it, you know, having standout design or anything like that because that's not the only issue with the phone it's not like everything else is perfect if only the hardware didn't look a little bit like an iphone and was very 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 similar Mm. to an r11 so i don't like that's not my problem my problem is the other some of the other components i mean you touched on the screen not being up to speed or upgraded really from the last year the cameras not being fantastic missing waterproofing like they have those areas to improve on, and I would far prefer to see them improve those parts first. True, I but I, say, I just want to. Yeah, go ahead, Alex. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, I just want. I mean, the, the whole idea of OnePlus, and this this was the brand message they're pushing yesterday that they make phones for themselves. It isn't just about you know sourcing random components and putting them together. Um, that just the fact that they are basically taking an R11 and changing some of the guts and putting a different logo on the back. That kind of goes against the message that they've been pushing all the way back to the, the beginnings of the company, right? I mean, if they're 
if they have the same camera module as this other completely unrelated phone, are they picking that because it's the best for their phone as OnePlus or are they picking it because it makes sense in terms of the supply chain and in terms of people way above? Um, it kind of it like reveals the way that that side of, the, that side of things actually works where it isn't just about <laughs> you know this plucky band of, of renegades putting together their ideal smartphone because that's just not the way this business works. Right. And I don't think there's anything wrong with rebadging an, an existing design from the same house, like the, from a neighboring assembly line. You know, the, 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 the OnePlus One, what had a lot in common with the Oppo Find 7A or whatever the hell that one was. And yeah, but crucially, like what did OnePlus do that was the biggest thing on it? I will say, I, th- I think that there is more it, it, the the aesthetics and the hardware, the industrial design is actually a little more important, I would argue, because they stuck a sandstone back on it. I know it sounds stupid, but every time you picked up that phone, like no one else was using that material. Every time you picked up a OnePlus One or even looked at that shark skin gray, you were like, wow, what is that? I mean, I was with, I was next to my my friend and roommate who had the OnePlus One before anybody else did uh, that I knew, and everyone would ask him about that thing. I mean, it was distinctive. Uh, and I think that this, you know, uh, is not, is 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 indistinctive. And I, I, I kind of said this about the Pixel, I've said it about a couple of phones. If I wanted to buy an iPhone, I would buy an iPhone. They're wonderful devices, but I don't want that. I want something different. And OnePlus has always promised something different. On the hardware side, this is not. Right, so... On the one hand, you know, if you look back at the at the OnePlus One, it was the message at the time was as much about value mm. uh, as it was about anything else. And I and I wonder, you know, if you if you were to take the OnePlus One today and you know the equivalent and and price it out at what was it three fifty when it debuted? It's two ninety nine, um, I think, wasn't it? Two ninety nine. Was it two ninety nine temporarily? Yeah. Um, I mean that was that was a very I mean sure inflation component prices maybe pushes that up fifty dollars but at the same time the the combination of at the time very high end specs even though it was obvious that you know the IMX two fourteen if we're just if we just want to talk about kind of off the shelf turnkey components Snapdragon eight hundred one IMX two fourteen which was in almost every phone that year right it, it was in the Nexus six. It was in yes the Oppo Find Seven. Uh, it was in a number of Sony phones. It was in it was in a lot of devices, right? And the messaging around the camera wasn't so much that we took the highest end camera and just put it in a cheap phone. It was that we made this sensor our own. We allowed you to do multi megapixel, you know, very high resolution shots using um, you know long, however they did it, interpolation. A number of you know stitching different images together dynamically. We had cyanogen, which nobody else had at the time. I mean, that was really the the, the, the co- yeah exactly the <laughs> cohesive messaging around that. Uh, by the time the OnePlus Two came out, that was it was it was not really a huge upgrade in terms of aesthetics. Uh, but we we finally had a company that was a little bit more. You know, they were excelling in guerrilla marketing, for better or for worse. I mean, most of the marketing was horrible, but we kept talking about it, right? And by the time yeah. the OnePlus 3 came out, Andrew had a great headline uh, in his review. It was basically, you know, welcome to adulthood. You know, I, I'm, it was like, you know, the, the, yeah. the never settle grows up or something. And, and that was a time where, you know, it was an all metal chassis. It looked super classy. It ran like a dream. On a home, you know, a, a homemade OS that was very, very simple and 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 very well designed, 
With, the headline was finally all grown up. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. So exactly. So now you know the three T had Midnight Black, and it was a it was a very evolutionary upgrade. But nobody balked at it because it was a substantial improvement. It had a bigger battery. It had a better camera, um, and a better front facing camera. So. What is it about this? I mean, are we are we saying that they just didn't go far enough? I mean, Alex kept using the word conservative. Um, but if we look at the Verge article that showed all the prototypes, I wonder how many of those were Oppo prototypes that just had a OnePlus logo on the back? Or was yeah. it OnePlus informing Oppo of the R11's design? Yeah, I mean, that, that's that's a, a very good question. Uh, you look at the backs of all of these things and, um, you know, you've got to imagine that at, at, at some level, uh, Oppo and OnePlus are working together and at, at a certain point it diverges. So you just have OnePlus working on uh, on, on the ID and the branding around that. Um, I mean, yeah, it, I guess if you look at Oppo's design language through the years, it's always been, I mean, all their phones look like iPhone ripoffs. Let's be let's be fair. Um, mm-hmm. If you've ever looked at an Oppo phone, that they've all pretty much um, aped well, the, the Apple design language. But Except that N1. Uh, uh, except, well, huh. uh, <laughs> the flip, flip around uh, yeah, yeah. camera, that was pretty yeah. crazy. And that was a winner. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, I mean, uh, I almost would have preferred something like, you know, uh, a more OnePlus 3-like design, because at least that would have had some you know, one plus DNA in it, uh, in this, in the design that, that was a bit more angular that, that kind of called back to the one plus one and one plus two. Um, I mean, for better or worse, we have, uh, we have this thing that is basically an Oppo design. Um, and we'll, we'll just have to see where they take their design language from there. Like I, I get that they could have gone more along the lines of the one plus three, because that would have been a continuity of design, but the one plus three, nobody was raving about it being innovative unique hardware Very design true. either it's yes. it's the most like the one plus three and three t are the most generic chinese made aluminum smartphone ever i mean it's the exact same as the Leiko phones as every other you know that super you know low-end mid-range you know aluminum slab phone so i don't see how this is any different from that this is once again very generic aluminum yeah. Um, influenced by the iPhone design. The core of my disappointment, or I'm, I mean, I don't want to down talk this phone. I, I do like this phone, but the core of my disappointment with, with this, uh, and it, it kind of is, is rooted in the way it looks, but that kind of speaks to something uh, more fundamental to me. Like, I wonder what this phone could have been had they not been boxed into this Oppo design. If they could have had maybe a bit more freedom to just do whatever and not have to operate within the parameters of a lower end phone, which the R11 is. I I totally get that point. We don't know what the structure is there in terms of like, did they have the option to, and they couldn't meet those, you know, meet those requirements yet or things like that. I mean, you think about the fact that they, you know, didn't have a lot of freedom in terms of what they could do with the cameras in terms of, space inside the hardware because you know this layout was you know pre-provided basically you wonder what they could have done with different components or a larger battery or whatever if the phone you know if they could have tweaked that a lot more but of course you know that's expensive and there's lots of other things involved with that i i don't doubt that if they had extreme freedom that they wouldn't have just chosen the exact same hardware as the R11. There has to be, you know, a reason why that happened. 
And it's it could just be as simple as scaling and, and the supply chain, and it makes sense for them uh, as a, a you know a sister company of Oppo to just you know take advantage of that and have things coming out the same factory and use the same shells with a different logo on the back, and maybe that's all well and good. And maybe there are no compromises, but at the same time, the fact that there there are these similarities goes against their message of okay, we're making a phone um, for ourselves. Um, where you know as tech enthusiasts. Um, Whereas the the reality of the of the hardware uh, tells a different story, but also how much were they hemmed in by price? Uh, you know, we we know that the first OnePlus device was was discount. I mean, two two ninety nine is very very cheap. Uh, even that, even in twenty fourteen, it was it was a very inexpensive device. Uh, slowly, the price of OnePlus hardware has has gone up. Uh, we're now at a starting point of $479, and the 3T is not going to be available for much longer, if at all, in, in your region. So this is the cheapest, $479 US is the cheapest you can uh, get a OnePlus phone for. Michael, how much does that tarnish this idea of OnePlus as a value brand, or is the company even still going for that moniker does it not want to be associated with value anymore and more you know be more aligned with you know the 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 samsungs and apples of the world i think value is still very much in the picture for oneplus i think they're still hitting that you know hammering that message um and and rightly so there have been two distinct types of reactions to the price of this thing people who know what oneplus even means are the ones who are in in an uproar and like ah you guys are i'd love the you're getting greedy now as though OnePlus yeah. started as a charity somehow uh, or owes anybody anything. Like, they uh, they got to make some money. And um, it makes sense to increase the price of a product every year as long as you can commensurately increase the capability of that device and make it actually worth that money. Uh, or, you know, if you're just – if your brand has enough street cred to, to do that. Um, and then the flip side is the, is the people who have no idea what OnePlus is and who would just look at you funny if you – as though you had started a sentence and not finished it, if you if you said that brand name at them, uh, who are like, oh, what? Well, how much is it? Oh, it's what well, starts at four seventy nine. Oh, well, what's the iPhone start at again? Oh, six forty nine. Well, oh, well, that's interesting. Wow, I'm surprised they can achieve that level of quality. And in so many ways, this phone is so good. So I think it it's going to fall on OnePlus to sort of try and capture those folks and um, just deal with the anger of the masses of of existing fans who once again as we said earlier have no reason to want to ditch their three t's to get this the three mm-hmm. maybe uh, um, the it's so, worth yeah. pointing out just the scale of oneplus now is completely different from the scale of oneplus back in the oneplus one days mm. you had the um the days of the the invite system which you know is, is now a distant memory uh and just you know them trying to judge demand going in as a completely new uh manufacturer even even within the the structure of you know Oppo or whatever, mm-hmm. um, is completely different from them having an established user base and established fans and now carrier partners in Europe. And and look at I mean we can't underestimate the fact that the software has continued to get better. They've been introduced unique. Oh my gosh! Did somebody just <laughs> somebody, fall down the stairs. Just just fell. <laughs> I think. Uh, I th- yeah, I think Daniel's gone to collect his one plus five. So he may. That, have, that was uh, the uh, f- his first drop test, actually. <laughs> uh, so you can't underestimate the fact that it, 
introducing unique uh, software customizations and software features costs money. Mm-hmm. They they talked about during the launch event, which was kind of weird and also kind of boring, but very interesting to people that follow the industry, how many support people they have in 10 different countries around the world and hundreds of 500 something support people and repair centers in all of their major markets and things mm-hmm. like that. Those things cost money, and that's where you see the OnePlus 3 be 399 and now the OnePlus 5 be 479 sure. I mean, on t- I mean, some portion of that. And uh, for all the people that will complain about the price, and I agree with you, Michael, that you know they're not a charity, they're a business, and yeah. I think that they're still providing real value at this price. For all those people that complained about that, those are all the same people that complained about not being able to get a replacement phone quickly or a repair done quickly, you know, having to send their phone back to China to get repaired or not being able to get proper customer service when their OnePlus 2, you know, was in a boot loop or something. You know, these are the same people that are complaining about the price uh, going up. So it's not like this is something where that money is just going to come out of nowhere. And I, I really doubt the OnePlus was making a ton of money on each OnePlus 3. I mean, we've talked about, I think Alex and I especially have talked about how you know, OnePlus has this model of, you know, they're going to make a lot of money on their accessories and things like that too. Mm-hmm. Um, they sell all of their stuff directly through their own website. They don't have to give anybody a cut or deal with any of that uh, you know, except for India, where they go through Amazon exclusively, there's stuff like that. So, and they have this um, up and coming uh, business, particularly in China, but starting to expand elsewhere of all these lifestyle products as well. So, they're actually starting to, you know, make some money, which is, you know, if you really do care about OnePlus, you should probably be happy that they're uh, perhaps making money on their phones and uh, the associated ecosystem. And you touched on customer service and stuff there, and that's a really important part. I think that was one of the really smart things they did with this with this release cycle is going in with one of the marketing messages was, hey, we actually have really good support now because that was the downside of dealing with OnePlus in the past, very well-publicized uh, disadvantage of going with them as opposed to a more established brand. And uh, yeah, there was a good um, you know, multiple minutes of the, the announcement yesterday dedicated to meeting these people who deal in a bunch of different languages and a bunch of different countries with giving, you know, both hardware support in terms of repairs and also software support um, for, you know, software issues, boot loops, whatever, um, for this phone. And, uh, yeah, it's it's absolutely a, a really important thing. Price-wise, it's just one really quickly that there is the additional pressure of saying, well, now you are up, you know, they've crossed the 499 threshold, right? So with the higher-end trim and... So you start to look at that and you're like, okay, well, if people have $500 or more to spend on on this phone, then do they have 550 or whatever it is to get a to squeeze for the brilliant you? You know what I mean? Like do they have <laughs> or, or, and with the Can G6 they squeeze that extra $100 out of their pocket. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, the G6 well, yeah, has the, come I down mean, a lot G6... in price as well. It's uh, you can get it for the high 400s if you're if you're quick with a with an yeah. eBay finger, right? Or like wherever the hell it is. And even the S8 has has some great deals going on, at least in North America right now. So there is that, you know, they, they no OnePlus can no longer stand on that leg of like, yeah, hey, we're way down here at 299. Everyone come get us because you're going to save money regardless. Now with the OnePlus 5, that's not always true. There are some cases where you might pay more for the OnePlus 5 than say a G6. And, you know, that's a, that's a, that's a tough place to be. It's it's also um, incumbent on OnePlus, as Andrew 
and, and Alex were saying to build themselves as a company that offers customer support that rivals not just Apple as a as as a handset manufacturer, but the carriers that a lot of the you know international and especially North American buyers usually get their phones, right? So they are, for all intents and purposes, going. It, it's it's a direct channel to to users. But if they ever want to appeal to more than the uh, spec obsessed early adopter, they're going to need to make customer support a huge priority uh so in the uk their their answer to that was basically when they're dealing with o2 to um you know offload some of that to them and that allows them to get an inroads into the uk into a more mainstream market and get phones on actual physical store shelves uh and you know remembering the fate of htc in this part of the world over the past couple of years um you know oneplus has one carrier now htc only has two so it's interesting to see that that kind of (laughs) reversal Mm. of, of fortunes there but um yeah, obviously selling phones and off- offloading some of the support back to carriers uh, helps them just build up a, a bigger presence and make more money in the process to the point where they, they can then uh, actually afford to hire people to run uh, customer support or, or, uh, into, you know, through OnePlus itself. Um, I remember having a conversation with Carl Pay a few months back, and he was saying that during the first days of the, the OnePlus One, everyone at the company at some point had to was scheduled to work a customer support shift, and that included him. <laughs> Um, wow. So if if you were if you were having a, a any kind of issues back with your OnePlus One back in the day, there was a, there was a chance that you might have had Carl Pay himself dealing with your uh, your support ticket. <laughs> oh, better have been an enthusiastic call because he is uh, <laughs> he's quite a great conversationalist, I, I have to say. You know, I, I just I also wonder what the breakdown of sales is throughout the world. Does North America? form the bulk of OnePlus's sales or is it skewing no. more to China and India these days? You know, it's it, that also will affect the the way that customers interact with the company. I mean, are they merely just going to Amazon and putting it in their cart and getting a phone or is it a little bit more traditional like in a, an O2 store? And, you know, as as comfortable as Americans are with buying unlocked phones, there really is no way in the north in north america to to interact with oneplus as a company except for these short-lived pop-up stores around launch so you know i i don't know is this does that still have an impact a negative impact on the ability for people to discover this company or is is that have we moved past that well i would say that there's still oneplus knows that there's still lots and lots of room for them to grow elsewhere that's going to be a lot easier for them to make up that ground so when you're talking about uh china and india where they're making a a huge push and most of western europe um they understand that it's going to be easier for them to grow out their business there than it is to on a per um a per customer basis grow out their business in north america by potentially getting into um, trying to deal with carriers, like maybe prepaid carrier deals or more permanent stores or something like that. I mean, I think if you just look at the pop-up shops like you were talking about, yes, they are still only doing pop-up shops, but they did one in all of North America and it was in New York City. And then they did like 12 more in Europe uh, the next day. So 
that kind of gives you a good indication of you know, where they see the amount of growth. And sure, once they get to a certain higher level of growth there, they could maybe, you know, and it starts to get expensive to get that each additional customer there, they can try to expand somewhere else. But if you think about spending $1 on trying to market the OnePlus 5 in the US versus spending $1 to try to market it in India, mm-hmm. probably a better idea to market it in India. Yeah, but companies with far greater resources than OnePlus have, have tried and failed to play the US carrier system. Um, because that's that's what you need to do if you want to sell phones in in really l- large numbers in the US, as we all know. Um, India is kind of an interesting point, and a shame we don't have Harish on here to talk more about that because he has a lot of uh, a lot of insight into that. But they have their one flagship store uh, in India that uh, is is part of their growing presence there. Of course, they have Amazon, which is their big um, reseller partner there. Uh, obviously, with the, the scale of that, it really helps them to. Uh, to build out their presence in India, and of course, they're manufacturing the phone in India as well, which helps them with uh, with customs in that country as well. So, uh, uh, I think, yeah, certainly they're looking at, at India to as one of their big uh, growth areas uh, for for this phone. So, I'm I'm going to interrupt the show for a second just to to thank our sponsor, and that's our friends at Thrifter. Now, we've spoken about Thrifter before. They're part of the Mobile Nations family, and they deliver great deals to your inbox every day. So let's talk about one deal because I, I love this. It's going to be gone by the time you hear this because it's an Amazon gold box, but it's kind of, it shows the kinds of deals that you can expect. This is $120 off a Segway. Uh, it's, it's the cool sort of unicycle Segway called the 1S1. And uh, this is the kinds of the kind of deal that you can expect to find. The, the really cool things, the out there products, not this the typical tech deals that you can find things like headphones, great Bose headphones for less. You can find a fishing reel, uh, which is, you know, something that you wouldn't really expect. But this this Pen Battle 2 3000, which is an amazing name for a fishing rod, by the way, is $54. Uh, and you can find that on Thrifter, as well as things like adjustable height standing desks. You can find discounts on movies you can find all of these amazing deals in your inbox every day at Thrifter. So if you want to be up on all of uh, the best deals from around the web and maybe buy your friends, your family, or even yourself something cool, go to thrifter.com and sign up for that daily newsletter. And we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. Let's talk a little bit about the, the variants because I think a lot of people were surprised that the OnePlus 5 debuted with a an 8 gigabyte uh, RAM variant. Um, Michael, what what's your take on this? I mean, obviously, 8 gigs is substantially excessive? more excessive. Yes. Why stop at 8, I say? Go to 12, <laughs> yeah. 16. Yeah, it reminds me of that old... Uh, that old onion headline about uh, about razor blade count, you know, <laughs> where it's like sometime in 2001, the onion ran that headline. It's like Gillette, F it, we're going five, you know, and then <laughs> sure enough, like two years later, Gillette made a five blade yeah. razor. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, it's a spec game. I think the more exciting thing for me on the higher trim is the um, 128 gigs of onboard storage because, you know, once again, we have the fans being annoyed that there's not micro SD support because if you're a power user and you know to buy a high-speed micro SD card so that your 4K video recording doesn't screw up, then you want that slot. 
But it seems to me that OnePlus is increasingly looking to broaden beyond those those hardcore uh, core users, and they don't want people to be confused by having to pick a UFS speed or a U you know a U rating on their micro SD cards. Which, to be honest, even I screw up more often than I should, and I end up with a video that should have been great from a phone and is instead choppy and terrible because I have too slow a memory card in there. So. To me, that's the more compelling uh, offer on the the higher end device. Is that, As we're that saying this, uh, I'm just scrolling back through like 40 apps in my my recent apps list and tapping the last one, and it's still in memory on this thing, which is lovely. On the on the uh, the high end on the eight on the gig. Eight gig. yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, but but see, this is Alex. That's where I was last year. Right, the OnePlus three T launches with or three launches with six gigs of RAM. Everyone loses their s, and then other people show up to be like, "Hey, no, wait, look, Android can't address all that RAM, so this is just a stunt." And I'm sitting there going, "Like, yeah, but I basically said the same thing you just said. I'm like, yeah, but look at all these memories. I look at these apps. I don't have to <laughs> reload into memory. However, this year, I mean, what do I use to listen to this very podcast? I use an app called Pocket Casts." Android doesn't care how much RAM you have in your phone. If you open four apps after Pocket Cast says last bin in memory or five apps, it'll clear it out anyway. So it's like, you know, I don't need eight gigs if it if if even six gigs isn't going to correct some of the issues that Android has just based on how it manages memory. I don't know if you'd even call them issues. That's going to get even more restrictive in Android O because, because Google's battery clamping down on background. Right? Uh, yeah, yeah, background. Usage, Google's Google's basically saying you have to earn the right to stay open in the background. We're making sure that wake locks are no longer a, a big issue. Mm-hmm. We're making sure that when you do call for a background update, it's done in an intelligent way that's grouped together with other apps. That uh, you're not you're only allowed to call for say GPS every. Uh, I'm not sure exactly the number, but say every 20 minutes or so. And these are these are very good additions to Android for from an end user perspective. But agreed. The the, I, the idea of just throwing RAM at the problem is, <laughs> I mean, Jerry would be uh, helpful to have on here, but he is probably going to say, and he wrote an article about this. the 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 gist of it is, no, you don't need a phone with eight gigs of RAM. There's a Good reason why the Galaxy S8, the LG G6, and the HTC U11 all ship with four gigs. Although there is a a six gig version for China of of most of those. Right. So I've I've just checked uh, RAM stats on this uh, this OnePlus uh, Five, which has been um, awake and on um, for about twenty four hours now. Uh, and of the eight gigs of RAM I have, I, this is without uh, you know manually dismissing apps or manually closing apps or anything. Uh, and of the eight gigs of RAM, I have uh, a full two gigs uh, that are not being used. Still, <laughs> yeah, I never got over five. I almost five and a half gigs on on average usage, you know, in the little memory thing. So that would be the exact. That would be the limit of what the six gig version would be able to offer you, because five hundred megs reserved for the system. Well, you know, I'm glad I don't have that crappy six gig version then. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, I, and that's I don't know. probably going to be the more popular variant anyway. Um, it's the most sensible variant to buy, right? If you if you're looking at in, in context of of like this phone as a package uh, as a whole, um, I think anyway. 
Yeah, I mean that just goes back to what Michael was saying. If you pay five thirty nine for it, it, it I agree that sixty dollars is a good. I mean, if you do see value in that RAM for some reason, getting the storage and the RAM for sixty bucks, thumbs up. Like that's a fine value. But once you're talking about five forty for this phone, it changes the the calculus of the comparisons you can make. Mm-hmm. So what about the colors? Because you only get <laughs> the midnight black in the more expensive five hundred thirty nine dollar version. That seems, I, they, I guess, I, aren't they like, basically why do the that? same color anyway? Like, isn't the gray so dark? Basically the same color. I, I mean, <laughs> yeah. I, I, have you guys actually seen the, the colors in person? No. Not, not okay, the gray, so only I, the black. I, I tracked down the single, um, the single gray unit they had at the London event yesterday, and it is so close to the color of the midnight <laughs> black as to be almost in, indistinguishable. I was holding both of them side by side, and if I juggled them around, I would have to, like, spend multiple seconds checking at different angles to tell which was which so i i mean don't lose any sleep over which color you get because they are <laughs> yeah. basically the same right can, can we talk about the one thing that has like not only not gotten worse with this model but gotten even better and is better than almost any other phone i've have used on android this year the freaking software dudes this mm-hmm. is insanely sweet like insanely responsive in terms of like I, I can't tell the difference between it and the Pixel and it and the U11. I mean, it is the, the I've never I would had to say it's faster than either of those two. Would you really? I mean, I wouldn't yeah. be able to dispute that because I'm not sure that you're wrong. I mean, it's so fast and it's not just like they threw stock Android on there. You know, I feel like that's the thing we always sort of um, idolize. You know, it's like, oh, take your dumb skins and leave. They didn't. But they didn't just throw stock Android on there. They added improvements almost all of mm-hmm. which are useful and welcome. And the whole, I mean, okay, adding a load of extraneous features does, you know, can bog down a phone as anyone that's used a Galaxy S8 can can uh, can attest. But, uh, ju- I mean, it's kind of misleading to say, oh, if only they would just stick stock Android on there. Stock Android isn't necessarily optimized for anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, the, the genius of what OnePlus has done, uh, it comes in the form of all these low-level optimizations. And we've, we've seen this from uh, the OnePlus 3 and 3T through through its lifespan, um, particularly in terms of touch response and scrolling speed, uh, that it was a little bit, I don't want to say laggy, but there was a definite lag in terms of pressing the screen and getting a response in the early days of the 3 and the 3T compared to where we are now on the latest Oxygen OS. Uh, and that takes time. That takes a lot of engineering effort. And um, yeah, we're, we're seeing the benefits of that now on the 5. But it has to be said that the best performing software on the 3 and 3T is not available to the public as a as a public as a final release there's right they've been beta testing this one plus five software on the older models for months for mm-hmm. months and right now the the public version of the it is running android 7.1.1 but it's certainly not nearly as feature rich or performant as the software that ships on the one plus five and we also have to address the sort of elephant in the room the update cycle for the OnePlus 5, I mean, it, it's the, the company has done so much to reassure OnePlus 3 and 3T owners that it will continue to receive updates for a couple of years. It'll get Android O. Uh, especially since they just threw the, uh, the OnePlus 2 under the bus. Exactly. So why, why have faith that they're going to support this, uh, you know, at, well, I- for as long as as say any other like a a galaxy s8 or another flagship from 2017 
I think the OnePlus 2 was standing on the edge of the curb and both Qualcomm and OnePlus each had a hand on its back <laughs> as the bus was driving by on the street. I'm just trying to, trying to picture who was driving the bus. Was that like Google or something? <laughs> uh, yeah, that would, uh, that would probably be right. Um, I, that's, I think that's a very real concern, though, Daniel. I, we can point at them saying, well, they committed to Android O. It's like, well... Nobody really thought that they weren't going to get one platform update, like or one major platform update. Considering, especially that the OnePlus three T came out like a month before uh, Nougat did, but there's just not a long enough history, and there are enough um, odd examples that you can point to, especially like the OnePlus X with its uh, really old processor at the time of launch, um, hamstringing that thing that. I don't know how much data we have one way or the other. And the best thing that OnePlus can do is be very, very transparent about where it is in the update process. And they do a really good job doing these beta releases. And, you know, the nerds can get on the beta releases, but like maybe give us a little bit of a roadmap, hold yourself to it, see what we can get in terms of official updates. Yeah. At the same time, it seems like they are resting a little bit too hard on the idea of rolling out betas rather. I mean, so there, you know, there, there are these open betas and then there's actually a closed beta that a a smaller group get before the software gets to open beta. And this is a good thing. I mean, from a software release perspective, by the time it gets to a public release, it should be extremely stable and very fast. So that's fantastic. But OnePlus has said over and over again that the consolidation of its software engineering team uh, between Hydrogen OS, which used to be uh, for its Chinese variant, and Oxygen OS, which was for its the rest of the world, uh, has improved the way that it approaches software updates. So there's no reason to think that the OnePlus 5 will be negatively affected by this at all. But at the same time, you know, this is a company that has sort of, uh, it hasn't always followed through with what it's said. So there is there is yes. certainly reason to be skeptical at this point. And I think the other part of that is their, you know, continued, um, like their march on to the next thing. I mean, they announced that they were done selling the 3T <laughs> weeks before the 5 came out. Yeah. and. That was a phone that hadn't even been on sale for more than a few months. And you remember right before that, they said, we're no longer selling the 3 when the 3T comes out. And that was only a few months after that. So, you know, this is a, that will make you worried a little bit when they say, if they're going to that aggressively cut off sales seven months into the lifespan of a device, how long can they commit to supporting it? I mean, I think, you know, we said the sooner that they say that they're no longer selling it, that starts that countdown of, well, it hasn't been on sale for 18 months, so we're not going to support it. Yeah, it is funny how aggressive uh, OnePlus seems to be at, at keeping this, keeping to this one phone at a time model. It's almost like if you didn't know the history, you could mistakenly believe that the OnePlus X was this unmitigated disaster for them and they were like, never again. 
It, but it's just a strategy call, right? It's just a, well, mm-hmm. we're going to be a one they founder. Put it out company. there. And yeah, yeah if, if it works, like we'll continue it for a little bit. Uh, otherwise, we're just going to iterate and make another thing. Yeah. And it does. It's one of those things that makes me think that, uh, again, with no real evidence <laughs> that uh, probably this isn't going to be the, the only phone that OnePlus releases this year, that there are obvious ways that this phone could be improved. Mm-hmm. Uh, and particularly if we're looking maybe around the same time frame of, of, as last year, maybe around November, once uh, Android O is has been you know finalized for a few months, uh, yeah, decent chance that maybe some of those feature gaps, like possibly water resistance or something to do with the camera, uh, or hell, like an extra four gigs of RAM, maybe uh, would be <laughs> coming to like a, a OnePlus Five oh, T yeah. or something. Yes, but this camera is—I mean, it's the first thing you see. The camera, you know, clear photo, dual dual camera, clearer photos. That's right the, on the marketing. That's yeah. what it says. That's how they're selling the phone. To you know, you know, clearer is a relative term, right? I know. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, so I think the question there is in this exact same discussion about software updates: is how hard are they going to work to roll out updates to the OnePlus Five for new, um, new processing? You know, changing the way that they you know tweak photos and low light and things like that. We know a lot can be done in the software versus well, we're just going to release a new phone anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I don't think we know that yet, but I, I think that there is a lot there, there is a lot more potential in this camera setup. I don't think that it's perfect. It's clearly hamstrung by some hardware decisions, but there's more to this, uh, the, the camera, if they can roll out software updates. The question is, you know, can and will they? Yeah, so certainly... Um that is part of the charm. Uh, I'm on the open beta stream getting software updates for the OnePlus 3T. It's not like for the Galaxy S8, which is performance improvements and bug fixes. You know, you rarely get a nice chunk of new features with the Galaxy or or LG. I mean, LG just announced a, a quarterly update for the G6 that will bring, what, face recognition uh, for mm-hmm. unlocking the phone and something else that I, I don't think was consequential. The OnePlus 3T, however, has received complete overhauls in terms of, of software design, a new launcher, you know, new apps are, are launched all the time. I mean, they're not on their own huge improvements, but together they, they really form a, a nice you know, chunk of, uh, of something to look forward to. Um, that's certainly how OnePlus is is hopefully going to continue. You know what just entered my mind is like, what do I still recommend? Is this still in the first breath of my recommendations when people are like, you know, more than 12% of North Americans last year bought unlocked phones instead of locked ones. So I am increasingly getting anecdotally just questions from my friends and family like, oh, what about this unlocked? Should I buy an unlocked phone? And previously I had been like, yeah. If you want to save a bunch of money, get a Moto G. If you want to go all out, you can get the iPhone. You can get a Galaxy S8 unlocked. But the OnePlus 3T was, it was a great cocktail of uh, features at a at a really great price. And it's not, you should get that one. I don't know if... I think I would recommend the OnePlus 5 just as heartily. Um, but it's attenuated a little bit now, I think, just just by the, the slight price bump. Um but I don't think that's performance. Like the the thing is, like you guys have been talking about really important stuff in terms of post sale support, 
and I think I'm less worried about now because of potentially new resources that OnePlus has access to because they've a company of like 700 people or something. But they raided uh, the Oppo chest. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, but, uh, but I don't know. I think what the point I'm getting at is it's, I'm unclear on it. I don't know if I would, I think I would have to give it a few months and see what RMA support is like when people inevitably have to get re- return devices and like you see what their software update, you know, track record is like you guys were just talking about it. But I don't know. It's not a slam dunk like it, like it might have been. So uh, what what about you guys? I mean, Andrew, would you say the same thing? Is this a phone that you would um, easily recommend to people? I think that if it was a situation in which people were, like Michael said, already thinking about this unlocked thing, like they they perhaps understand the fact that they're not going to be able to turn to the carrier for support as they know, and the cell phone service is going to be separated from the phone and you know things like that, but they may not be uh, a super technical person or a nerdy person that would know what the heck OnePlus is, you know, because it sounds kind of weird and it's not really, you know, in the, you know, in their mind. Um, yeah, I would still recommend it. The only question for me is a lot of those discussions start with, I really like my Galaxy S6 or Galaxy S7, but on my next phone, I, I'm not going to buy a $750 phone. It usually starts from a price perspective anyway so this already kind of rules out those things i don't have a lot of people coming to me saying i want to buy an unlocked phone you know they say i want to buy a phone and i don't want to pay 700 dollars for it (laughs) you know where what can we do under 500 and like michael said that narrows the the number of devices i can recommend substantially because not for the fact that there's not a lot of phones under $500. There's just not a lot that I would recommend. Mm. And so this is still a, a good option. I recommended the OnePlus 3 uh, to a lot of people. I uh, And a OnePlus 2 prior to that. I don't see why that would change uh, with a OnePlus 5 when somebody's looking for a phone that's under $500. You're absolutely right. I, I think I the point I was trying to make was that I think I would just take a few more beats because there are more options flooding the market all the time. And the people who ask those sure. questions, the people for whom saving money is often a priority, don't care about things like 8 gigs of RAM or a Snapdragon 835, you know? I mean, they'd be right. very happy with a Moto G and saving another 200 bucks or whatever. In which, of course, if you're talking about saving money and getting a phone that's, you know, around four or $500, you're not talking about, um, super great cameras every single time. Mm-hmm. You're not talking about all the latest hardware every single time as well. So it, uh, again, if you're talking about you're going to cut out the the top options, this person is not going to consider a Galaxy S8. They're not going to consider a U11 or anything else. Like They see that sticker price and they're like, whoa, that's too much. <laughs> right. Um, it, it resets the expectations. So, I mean, we also have to compare the phone to other devices in its price range. And there aren't a lot in the 479, mm-hmm. 539 range, but one that comes to mind that's coming out in the next couple of weeks is the Moto Z2 Play. It's a 499 phone, and that is not inexpensive. I mean, this is approaching flagship uh, pricing as well, but it's considerably less powerful. But on the other hand, 
you know, it's being marketed as a, a, a Motorola, you know, flagship to some extent. I mean, especially in Canada and I'm assuming in the UK where the value of the currency has dropped to the point uh, to, against the US dollar to the point where mid-range phones are now reaching flagship prices. So what you'd get for six, $700 in Canada, and Alex, you know, you can corroborate this uh, if, if it's true, um, you could have gotten a flagship for a couple of years ago when the Canadian dollar was at par with the US. And now what I'm seeing for seven, $800 Canadian is a Moto Z2 Play, you know, a, 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 a OnePlus 5, whereas um, the Galaxy S8, for instance, is $1,000, goes up to 1,200 Canadian mm-hmm. dollars. So we're not used to spending that amount of money. And even though we still buy our phones on subsidy, it's still quite a uh, hard pill to swallow. So, you know, that's something that, you know, you have to consider too. And and Alex, are you finding that as well with newer devices? To a certain extent. I mean, the pound has lost a lot of value in the past year or so, but the the kind of knock-on effect has, has been quite slow to hit tech products. I mean, I guess the the biggest sort of yardstick for that was the Galaxy S8, which was a good, uh, I think, 30 or 40 pounds more expensive than uh, than last year's phone. I mean, could well, you know, there are other factors that go into that beyond currencies, um, so it's difficult to, to make that judgment there. Actually, I mean, last year we had the OnePlus 3 rise in price immediately after launch because of, you know, the pound lost so much value after the Brexit vote. So there was that. Um, uh, more interestingly, I think uh, in terms of prices uh, of devices around the same price as the OnePlus 5, um, it's a little bit different over here. I guess the closest thing you have is probably the LG G6. We talked about that a little bit earlier. Um, and there you have a different balance of, of camera and build and, uh, and processor. You have the older processor, you have less RAM, um, you know, half, half as much RAM in fact, as, as the OnePlus five, um, I, I something that is probably going to compete more directly, maybe depending on price, we'll wait and see, uh, is, is the honor nine. That's something, uh, that we, we don't know anything about U U S release plans for that. It's been announced in China. So we know the specs, um, but there'll be a European launch event next week. Uh, actually, on the same day that uh, the OnePlus Five will start shipping, the twenty seventh. Hmm. Um, so traditionally, uh, you know, they're arranged differently inside their own parent companies. But um, you know, broadly speaking, uh, Honor has been to Huawei what OnePlus has been to Oppo. So there's this sub brand that uh, that focuses on more affordable flagships, uh, and it will be interesting to see what Honor does with the Honor Nine. Um, and where that lands in terms of pricing and in terms of balance of specs uh, relative to the OnePlus 5, especially since uh, OnePlus now has this this foothold with many of the carriers in Europe. That'll be incredibly interesting to see, especially because, I mean, in Europe, you guys are familiar with the Honor brand, or by, by you guys, I mean, like, normal, normal folks. In mm-hmm. North America, you know, the, North, the Honor 8 launched with this massive blitz and very shortly thereafter, you know, evaporated into the ether and all the marketing around the Honor brand here has been these sort of uh, kind of half cringeworthy, like, look, youth, look at, look at other <laughs> youths having youthful fun. Hello, fellow, fellow yeah, children, hello, fellow kids. <laughs> do, you all, do you also want to be fresh and hip with an Honor phone? And <laughs> Would you like a micro USB port on your phone? We got one of <laughs> we those. We got that for you. Yeah, so uh, I feel like Honor has a chance to, if, if it wants to seize it, can, you know, reboot that effort in North America because right now I feel like it, Honor and OnePlus are equally unrecognizable on the streets here. 
brand wise. Yeah, yeah. We'll we'll see what what what's announced or what isn't announced next week with regards to that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's just interesting too. I'm looking at uh our biggest carrier in Canada, Rogers, has started exclusively selling the Huawei P ten or sorry, not exclusively, but selling the Huawei P ten and exclusively selling the P ten plus. And the P ten is six hundred and fifty dollars Canadian, which is $250 less than the LG G6, which is $900. Wow. And the positioning there yeah, is, wow. is clear. Like the, the P10 is being marketed to some extent as a $0 phone on contract. And Alex can attest, this is a far better phone than its price belies, right? It's $650 Canadian. You, As I mentioned earlier, you're getting a mid-range product and the p10 is not a mid-range phone by any means it's it's worth zero dollars canadian without that oleophobic coating <laughs> sorry right exactly <laughs> you take the, you take off that uh, that screen protector and the value drops you by just, 100%. You just yeah you, you just hate life without that screen protector yeah so uh I, I mean all joking aside besides that yeah it is a high spec phone you have a good camera in there uh you have okay it's the huawei design cpu but it's still really good you have four or six gigs of ram this isn't um, you know, some piddling mid-range phone. This is serious hardware that sells for serious money in other parts of the world. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, it should also be mentioned that the the LG G6, as we've spoken about many times, has nothing special about its camera. I mean, the what the um, what are you talking about? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Excuse me, sir. Get out of here. I just woke right, up. Let me, let me talk. <laughs> let me just finish what I'm no. saying. You bunch of we'll, grumps. We'll let, we'll let so, you talk if you stop talking lies. <laughs> what I'm saying is that. On paper, the G6 appears not to have anything particularly special from a specs perspective. Yeah, right. It has mm-hmm. it has uh, its sensor that is a couple years old. That and and I love the fact that you responded as vitriolically as you did because what it does <laughs> is it reinforces the fact that you don't necessarily need the latest and greatest hardware to achieve incredible photos and i agree or the latest isp i mean we're talking about a snapdragon 821 in there mm. right uh, presumably with a with a you know less capable isp than the 835 so we have there's no reason that oneplus couldn't have achieved something fantastic with the five when it comes to uh you know, camera performance and quality, but especially low light. And Alex, you know, you alluded to this earlier today. The low light performance on the OnePlus 5 is not up to par with with what it should no, be, especially when you compare it to the, the LG G6. And the, I, my main issue there is you talked about um, not needing necessarily the greatest camera hardware to get great shots. That you can rely on the really good ISPs, the image signal processors that we have now in phones. Um, but there's still a point at which, um, you know, you, you need to at least hit that base level. And the rule this generation seems to be, if you have one micron pixels, um, you better have OIS as well, because that's how you allow for the, the longer exposures that let you collect all the data that the ISP then crunches into a really good looking photo. And uh, the OnePlus 5 has that bright lens, the F17 lens, um, but it's still a 16 megapixel sensor with small 1.1 micron pixels. Uh, and no stabilization. So, and I, this is something I've just found using it today. Um, in like ambient, indoor, dark-ish lighting, you can really tell that it tries to keep the shutter open for longer. And often, because of the lack of OIS, any kind of hand motion will be picked up, and you'll notice soft, de- uh, fine detail will kind yeah. of get obliterated compared to something like a U11 or, or a G6. Um, so, and I, that's I, even 
in just mixed lighting, not even yeah, like a uh, night shot. And so my, my thing is like they, they took it a little bit too far with what they, they should have been able to get away with. And I think had this had the main camera had they managed to fit the OIS into the main camera, we wouldn't be having this discussion. We'd be talking about how amazing the camera was because they would basically been able to hit the same baseline as the LG G6, except with a better ISP. And that's what's kind of tragic about about this camera because, <laughs> you know, you if you take an extra two gigs of RAM out, you probably got enough space to to get some, you know, to buy some tiny springs to make up a, um, you know, OIS module. Yeah, and, and there's nothing preventing at least um, the first main sensor from being optically stabilized. We've seen it on the G6. We've seen it on the iPhone. Uh, we'll- we also see a, a much, much larger camera assembly on the G6 than on, on the OnePlus 5. And this is, this, is what bring, this is what kind of brings me back to my, my central thing that I've been hammering away at for this podcast. The fact that we are tied to this Oppo design, that this Oppo design mm-hmm. for a mid-range phone that you wouldn't necessarily expect OIS in. And if this wasn't a factor in the OnePlus 5's development, would it maybe have been easier for them to have, you know, to say, screw it, we'll spend the extra like 50 cents per unit and put OIS in there? That I mean, I I don't know what the answer is there, but that's that that's something that that sort of nags at my mind. Thinking, has this works? It has the the extra sort of assembly and supply chain advantage of going with the uh, the Oppo based design worked against them in terms of what they what they would otherwise have been able to put into this phone in in an area as crucial as the camera. And I think that at that point, we wouldn't necessarily be talking about oh, we have this longer lens and the portrait mode is kind of finicky. And look what it, you know, made them do to the main camera because it like anything beyond that main camera would just be a bonus mm. rather than feeling like a trade-off, which right sure. now it, it still does. That long lens can be fun, not nearly as fun as the G6's wide lens, and at the same time, the the portrait mode, which could be improved, but right now is kind of finicky. It's like, well, man, we gave up uh some potential improvement in the main camera for this right well i mean how, how about this what if if they just had decided to not go with this dual camera thing and just said okay we'll just have one really good camera because we're one plus we're about nailing the core experience you've got to imagine had they just gone for a single camera design okay maybe you lose the marketing angle but you could have i mean they could have very easily had an lg g6 or above level main camera in this thing with OIS. New camera, clearer photos. <laughs> well, whatever, whatever. The, I mean, you can leave, yeah. leave that to the marketing department, right? Um, if you if you're a <laughs> if you're a, a, on the hardware team, but uh, yeah, I would have much rather just personally, and I'm sure a lot of people will feel the same way when they get the OnePlus Five. I would have much rather had one good camera rather than like two half-assed cameras, which is what this feels like to me right now. But I think you shouldn't dismiss the marketing angle there. I, I feel like they they probably had data from tons of focus groups saying. If you do not put a dual camera module of any kind in this phone this year, you are going to miss out on 200,000 sales because like, that's the thing. That is the people look at the back of a phone now, I feel like, to be like, oh, is this one of the – oh, it doesn't have – oh, it only has one camera? Oh, well, is it a Samsung? Right. No. Oh, well, then no. You know? The, theoretically, the setup is not a problem. Like I don't uh, have an issue with going with dual cameras. I don't have an issue with portrait mode or having the option to shoot with the long lens. It's it's all about the execution for yep. me, for sure. Yeah, no, mm-hmm. I agree. I'm not. Yeah, no, no disagreement here. But I just think you know if they had done like a three T thing again, where it's like, well, this is a solid camera, but it's a single lens, super run of the mill. Yeah, right. It's, yeah. But then that that's like a neutral point versus what it is. What, like the narrative is kind of turning 
towards the dual <laughs> at least in it. reviews in, into a negative yeah and yeah. um you know the, the core audience is only going to pay a certain amount of attention to oneplus as a marketing angle then they're going to go read our reviews they're going to read the reviews on the verge they're going to watch um, michael's videos and other videos on youtube that tell the actual story of the camera yeah which is by the way i mean i, I think we've said it a couple times but which is not a bad camera it just could be a lot better and, I, and the, the trade-offs were probably not worth it for this for the mm. the end result in this form Mm-hmm. I mean, specifically, I'm not sure, Alex, how much you've used the portrait mode, but I yeah, know Michael that. has. And like, the we know from looking at the way that portrait mode has worked on other phones that it's really hard to do <sighs> this. It, even when it's done right, it can look bad because it's artificial softening of the background. It's It's just it's artificial and it's really hard to trick your eyes because your eyes instinctively know like, no, that's not the background. That's the <laughs> foreground, you know, that kind of stuff. It should not be blurred, but it's not. I mean, the way that I was taking photos, is like I'd take a portrait mode photo and then flick it back to the main camera and tap to focus to take a regular photo because I couldn't rely on the portrait mode to give me the kind of shot that I wanted. I got a lot of good shots and I put a lot of them in my review, but you know, I didn't show you all the one, you know, most of the ones anyway, Dude, and, that you know, just completely missed the focus. And that's the crazy thing. Like, I have this great shot of a coffee mug in a cafe with some great backlighting and all this stuff. And there's actual, you know, bokeh because it's uh, an F17 lens or whatever like that. And yeah. it's just, you can, it already does it naturally and it does it beautifully. You don't need this like implementation of faux uh, depth of field to give me a shot that I could have gotten off the one I made in 2014 that I also would have thrown in right. the trash. And Alex, you've, you've used some of the Huawei phones that, that do the adjustable focal yeah. depth. Do you find that they have improved? I find, I mean, I've, I, like you said, I've had this phone 24 hours. I barely had a chance to play with the, um, uh, the portrait mode myself, but I've seen the pictures that you guys have taken. Mm. And just in, in the brief time that I've had with it before the Huawei, um, portrait mode and the Huawei, um, depth sensing stuff, um, uh, and uh, I think what it's called, it's low depth of field mode, I think they call it, is just better than what OnePlus has right now. There's no two ways about right. it. Mm. Yeah, I mean, Huawei has a pretty good product with its camera. It, and Huawei it can... also has, it's worth mentioning, uh, actual Leica imaging engineers that are some compound in Switzerland or something working on, on this for them. So it isn't <laughs> some you know, it's compound. A, uh, <laughs> <laughs> although they have a new imaging center set up somewhere in Europe. I think it's in Switzerland. Uh, so they, they, this isn't a small team working on it, as, as you might imagine, one plus a company of, of uh, you know, employees in the, in the hundreds. Absolutely. And, and I mean, I've seen very poor implementations of the dual camera. Uh, the ZTE Blade V8 Pro which is a oh. Cricut wireless exclusive, I believe, in the huh. U.S. It's $229. Oh, it has a 13 things. megapixel. Yeah, that that <laughs> all sounds like a recipe for success. That's, I don't see how, you, how you this just, could you, go wrong. You just, you're just lowering expectations <laughs> with every word in that sentence. <laughs> right. And the thing, I mean, the beauty of it is that it has this feature. And when you look at the phone, when you look at the portrait mode photos, because it has a, a secondary two megapixel camera, uh, on on the screen itself, it looks okay, and then you blow it up on your on your laptop or, or desktop monitor, and you're like, "Holy crap! The seams are completely arbitrary. It's blowing off half of the photo. It's blurring off things that have no no right or reason to be blurred. And it's the subtlety of this this portrait mode. It's it's very very hard to do well. 
especially when there are multiple subjects or there's a main subject and then a secondary subject right behind you that may trick up the sensor. Um, yeah. And, you know, it's, I, I commend OnePlus for trying to do it, but there was a reason Apple released it in beta or at least called it a beta for like four months because, you know, it didn't want to be criticized for the th- same things that every other company with this dual camera setup is being is being accused of. And there's probably a reason why, I mean, LG, they couldn't really do the same pixel, the uh, same portrait mode with its um, its wide angle camera. But, you know, there's a reason LG avoided it entirely because it's just it's it's really really hard yeah i mean what did did apple hired um like a thousand people to work on its next camera a a few months back right like i feel like you can't throw enough resources at a camera problem and if you don't have a lot of resources then you just have to sort of live with it and for the record i'll say this for the billionth time a year ago i carried a moto x from 2014 around and took a bunch of pictures on instagram and no one ever said oh what garbage you know, like even mm-hmm. the worst cameras of today's reasonably mid to high end phones are just wonderful for 92% of your circumstances. So I am just, yeah. Yeah. A great, you know, way to end uh, with a little bit of perspective because mm. we are, we're critical. We have yeah. to be critical and we're certainly going to, uh, you know, tell companies what, what we think. But at the same time, the OnePlus 5 is probably a really, really fantastic camera for most people. Indeed. No doubt. Mm-hmm. So let's um let's let's go around. Does anybody have anything else before we sign off for the for the week to share about the OnePlus five? Any any hot takes that you didn't get to earlier? Oh, the cases are awesome still. Yeah. They're thin they're thin shell cases. Um, because they got these like wood veneer things. I'm using the rosewood one. If you want to just, uh, I think, um, you know, just cover up that iPhone look a little bit, uh, put a little wood case on there and it, they're thin and nice and protect the phone. They also have like a proper bumper and they're, uh, partnered with OtterBox to release, a, you know, the whole line of OtterBox cases for it too, which is a really big deal because the third party case offerings for OnePlus phones have not been, as robust as uh, other you know mainstream phones, so I would definitely say they're worth you know picking one up for twenty bucks if you're going to buy the phone. Oh, all right. Well, that's uh, nice. It's good to know. I came on the show today expecting to be the lone voice of you know uh, nightmarish darkness and gloom and doom, but I feel like then you realized I was on yeah, the show. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, uh, but I feel like, you know, we, we've spent a lot of time, Bader, you summed it up very well a second ago. Like you, we sort of have to be critical and stuff. But, and I even said earlier that I, I'm sort of going to take a beat before recommending this to people. But I think this, this certainly has, the OnePlus 5 has its, does a really good job in the niche that it's targeting. Apparently, if this, if tweets are to be believed, uh, coming from from Carl Pei, um, which I have no reason to disbelieve, this thing is has already blown the pre order record of the previous like one plus three or three T away. So, uh, little detail oriented criticisms aside, I think a lot of people are going to be happy with this thing. Um, and the fact that we all sort of wanted variations on something different maybe or or have seen some some shortcomings shouldn't uh shouldn't detract from that i would 
every time I reach for this thing and I like drop the notification shade by holding one of the soft keys down or dismiss the NFC icon because OnePlus has thoughtfully left that menu exposed instead of hiding it like Android does. All these little things come together to make a really good product. It's just, um, it's it's just it's just somehow different, but it's a really good phone. I'm very divided. Hmm. Well, Alex, I'll give you I'll give you the last word. Um. I well, I mean, I, I agree with everything Michael just said. I think uh, I would like this this phone to play out a little, little bit differently. I think were I in charge of if I had complete dictatorial power of over making this phone, I would have called things a little bit differently. There are there are priorities that I would have had that are, are different. But I think um, still for the money, especially the six plus sixty four gig model. Um, if, if you're an enthusiast, if you care about power, if you care about having great performance and great software, uh, it's it's hard to think of anything that competes with the, the OnePlus 5 in, in its price tier. So there you go, short and sweet. Well, that's uh, that, that's all the time we have for this uh, this podcast today. Uh, thank you, the three of you, for for coming on and sharing your thoughts. Um, if people want to find you on the internet, Andrew, where can they go? They can find me on Twitter at my name, <laughs> and uh, that's that's where you're going to find all kinds of fun stuff. Every single, pretty much every single thing that I write will be sent out on Twitter several times. And then you can cue in on uh, Sounders match days to hear me rant about soccer. Yes, you are very (laughs) diligent about both of those things. (laughs) That is the most Uh, accurate statement I've ever heard in my life. (laughs) Alex, what about you? Uh, You can find me at GB Hill. No, um, you can find me (laughs) at Alex Dobby on on all of the things. Um, Go on Instagram if you like pretty pictures from from Android phones. Um, I guess I should have some coming up from the the U11 and and OnePlus 5 since I'll be using them um, exclusively going forward at least the next week, I guess. Um, And uh, yeah, random thoughts and and sometimes sometimes vitriol, sometimes uh, funnier stuff uh, at Alex Dobby on, on, on the Twitters. I really do enjoy your dry sense of, of humor oh, on Twitter. It's, me it's too. Really, it really is so good. I, I really, if you don't, I, I, I always recommend following Andrew because, uh, you know, the Sounders are definitely the most important team. Clearly. But uh, <laughs> Alex, you, you are you're a worthy follow, as well as Michael Fisher. Where can people find you? Thank you. I, people can find me at the Mr. Mobile, T-H-E-M-R-M-O-B-I-L-E, everywhere but Snapchat. Where I am, of course, Mr. Mobile Snaps. The MR is a Mr. The Mr. is an MR. And I haven't had a tagline developed for that yet. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, please please come come hang out on, on the YouTube at the Mr. Mobile. And thanks for having me, guys. This has been really wonderful. I'm sorry I've been so scatterbrained. I'm just flummoxed by this device. Yeah, indeed. Well, I too am flummoxed by this device since I have yet to use it. But perhaps next week... I will have it and have some hot takes. My name is Daniel Bader. You can find me at Journey Dan on all the things, and we will see you next time. Bye. See you later. Bye. Stay mobile, my friends. <laughs>